Welcome. I hope you enjoy the conversation you're about to see between me and another comedian about religion and comedy. These are conversations I'm calling Disorganized Religion. God bless. And for those atheists out there, may nothing await you after this life. Welcome, everybody. Hey, nerds. Another edition of Disorganized Religion, the coronavirus editions. Uh, I'm very excited for this week's guest. And I, I guess, should introduce myself. I'm your host, as always, Seth Lawrence. And this week, we have the fantastically bearded and almost Jesus-like Nick Linsmeyer. Thank you so much for joining us, Nick. Great to be here. Yeah, happy to have you, man. So how are things going for you in the COVID era? You know, to be honest, I'm not doing too badly. I know of a lot of people who are suffering. I read the news, obviously, to see what's going on. I've had, I'm almost counter-cyclical when it comes to income and just like, I don't know, life stability. I have Mm. not had such stability in almost two years. I I have a good paying job right now. I'm back in Minnesota where I'm from, the Twin Cities. Oh, yeah. And I'm I'm working at a family business where it's very boring stuff, generally speaking, because it's like wood manufacturing. So Hmm. boxes and pallets for shipping and forklifts, that sort of thing. Uh But like right now, it's actually pretty important because they make, they make them for a 3M. Oh, yeah. N95 masks. Yeah. So it's a good place to be. The hospitals are all good here for the most part. Good. There's not many people who have it. Yeah. And I'm getting up, working relatively normal hours. And I'm, my income is steady, unlike uh, doing stand-up or right. some of the other stuff I was doing in L.A. So, yeah. yeah. What other stuff were you doing for work in L.A. while you were here? Oh, for a little bit, I was basically production managing some ads for social media. So, mm. you know, pretty much on a project by project basis, not a steady flow of income and no 401k or anything like that. Not that I am rolling that now, but <laughs> yeah, anyway. but a bit more stability then. Yeah, yeah. So you guys make pallets at your family business? Yep. Got it. Man, the, the, the building blocks of the shipping industry. Yeah, it's really thrilling. I worked yeah. there for five summers, <laughs> starting in high school and, and into college. And oh my God, like you think, uh, like, oh, it's the technology change. You get in 120, 130 yeah. some years now of the company being around. It's yeah. almost non-existent. It's, it's basically the same thing, you know. Wood yeah. and nails. There's, yeah. Well, on one design, right? There's sort of one design for the palette. Pretty standard. And uh, you, yeah, you'd think that they would have figured that out. Windshield wipers is another one. It's sort of mm-hmm. always been the same, you know? Pretty much. One day, those, event- those inventions are going to improve. And whoever patents that down is going to be the next Jeff Bezos or whatever. That's right. How do you uh, find you're, uh, you're doing during the COVID era? I'm curious to hear a man with a family. What is it like? Because I, ca- I can't even imagine having yeah. kids in the situation. Yeah, it's not too bad. I mean, there was for sure a week, week and a half of of pretty big adjustment. And, you know, with, uh, so I have three kids, so there are five people where we're living now. And, uh, you know, we get, it gets a little heated at times, uh, but we're surviving, I think, okay. The adjustment came with getting, two of my kids are in school and um, they had to move to online stuff. So we had to kind of schedule out when they each use my computer so that they could log in while my wife mm-hmm. did her work. Uh, my wife's work has not, I mean, it changed a bit because she's teaching when she teaches it's online now, but for the most part she does research and you know, that's 
that's exactly the same as it was before. She just does not have to commute into downtown LA anymore. Nice. So, mm-hmm. so that part's what been you, a bit more stable for what us. What does she teach? Uh, accounting. Oh, okay. Yeah. Another thrilling industry. Thrilling, but stable. You know, that's, yeah, exactly. And I, and with all these high risk jobs, you know, like stand up where there's sort of big, uh, you know, some of, some of us are going to make it out of the open mic ranks and maybe make it big one day, you know, high risk, high reward, I guess. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. How do you mm-hmm. think stand up's going to change after or because of the stay at home order stuff? It will really be, I think, a slow getting back to normal and, you know, people are at least going to have to address the state of the world in the first few minutes. It's unavoidable, of course. Yeah. So you have to have some good jokes, just chatting with people, some friends on Zoom uh, yeah. last night. And one of them said, after I happened to say something quite funny that stemmed <laughs> sure. from her life, he said, oh, my God, you guys aren't writing material right now, are you? And <laughs> I'm not as religious about uh, writing as I was before this all happened because I'm working more now, but yeah. like I am jotting things down still as they strike me. So I'm trying yeah. to at least devote some time to it. Yeah. So do you have a notebook or do you just type it in your phone or phone. Twitter? What do you do? Yeah. Phone? Yep. Phone and yeah. Twitter. Yeah. 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 I, I, uh, I like using Twitter. I think Josh Edelman does the same thing, sort of tries out new jokes or things he's thinking about on Twitter first, see what kind of response it gets. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. 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 So how long have you been doing stand up, Nick? It's been about a couple of years. I started back in 2017. I was working a really crazy job at uh, Amazon studios. And then uh, the me too movement happened in the fall of 2017 and the boss of the comp of uh, Amazon Studios at the time was ousted in that, and so my boss went from the number two guy to the number one within wow. an afternoon. And so I just I had to stop because I was just so busy and I couldn't think about anything else for um, the rest of my time at that company, which was stressful. Yeah, and uh, you were there- scared, right? You were scared of having the Me Tooers come for you. Well, <laughs> luckily I have uh, nothing to hide from. I, I'm a very good-hearted uh, man who is. Actions reflect that, but yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you could of, give too long of a hug. You know, the Pixar guy gave too long of a hug and got out. I, you know, I've always been pretty circumspect with physical touch. Yeah. So uh, they get their culture from the Nordic people in Europe, <laughs> and they tend to stand very far away. That's why we're doing so well in Corona. There like, you go. One of the lowest rates in the country. Yeah. Even though yeah. we had one of the earliest cases, people came directly from Italy, sure. one of the busiest airports, and yet. We're keeping our distance, you know. We're yeah, not, you're fine. Like, oh, interesting. Now, is Minnesota the state where they've uh, the governor has stopped selling non-essential items? Well, we no. do have a stay-at-home order, and right. So much of this is basically a heavy-handed please and thank you. Yeah. You know, it's they're not going to write many people tickets. I've heard they've done it a few times. Is that right? Five point eight million people. So it's not like, yeah. you know, it's just to to discourage people, but you know, essential businesses like uh, the one I'm at are still operating, obviously. Yeah. And they still, like a lot of places, keep liquor stores open. So they want <laughs> right. people boozed <laughs> up. I don't drink, but uh, hey, I mean, people don't get their booze. They're gonna... The last thing we need right now is another prohibition organized crime resurgence. That's right. Yeah. Man. Next so do you go into work with gloves and masks? 
I then, have a, a bandana. I don't have an N95 or anything, but I got uh-huh. a bandana and I've got, um, I wear gloves when I'm out in the factory and uh, like safety glasses, but otherwise I just try to keep my distance, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, fair enough. And people probably keep their distance from you, boss's son. They don't want to, yeah, people know. are, there's always good gentle ribbing here. Like people yeah. are saying, I don't care what anybody says. You're doing a great job. That sort of thing. Which is <laughs> yeah, nice, that's great. You know? Yeah, that's very nice. So a couple of years ago, do you remember where your first open mic was? Yeah, I did it at uh, Westside Comedy Theater. Oh, okay. Yeah, Santa Monica. Yep. Yeah, that's a that's a fun little stage. So did you go on the Monday nights or Tuesday night? Is it Tuesday night? That, I guess it's it Tuesday must have night. been a Tuesday night. It felt earlier than, or maybe I think they had it on Saturdays then too. Oh, is I that right? Like early evening, it was like seven or something in the oh, okay. summertime and yeah, I was very nervous to do it, but a buddy of mine who's moved to LA shortly before I did, who makes movies now, he mm. uh, did stand up, and that was really the kick in the pants I needed. Another guy to say, "I'll do it. I'll you be there with it. you." Yeah. yeah, gotcha. So Amazon got too busy for you. Was it just not yeah. fulfilling, or was it? It was very political. Um, uh-huh. Very much like you have to love it, live it, and breathe it. You know, wake up at. 5 a.m. and check your email. You have, you have to be in it constantly. Yeah. Um, wake up doing it, go to bed doing it. So that wasn't for me. I just, I always wanted to do stand up and I tried it and I got my taste for it. And after a little bit over a year at Amazon, I just um, was able to leave with a good letters of recommendation and good, uh, anyway, good enough experience that I, I thought time to move on. Yeah. Interesting. So you'd always want to do stand up. What, what prevented you from doing stand up before? Good question. I was 25 the first time I tried it. I had actually told my family, my family's always known I've loved comedy, always mm-hmm. been considered, you know, a funny kid in school, that sort of thing. And my mom and sister actually bought me, rather than stand up, typical mistake, they bought me uh, improv classes shortly uh, after college. Yeah. And so I did that I, for a couple of times. I was living in DC at the time. Okay. But I was just, that was right at the time I started doing that improv class and then I came out as gay. Uh-huh. It was a big thing. And so before I did stand up, I wanted to figure out who I was as a person, you know, because I yeah. grew up pretty uh, religious in a Christian household. And I finally came to terms with who I was and that I wasn't going to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe a traumatic brain injury would change me. But I figured if I'm not having to change it for 23 years, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. And that might change you too much. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you might still be gay. Yeah. So, <laughs> what would the be the down point? gay guy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's terrible. So, so your friend who did stand up, he like pushed you into it. You'd always been interested, and he was just. Did it take much convincing from him to get you to go? Not to too much. And in fact, he did not end up going with me to that uh, mic. He ended oh. up being busy that night. But it got me so like nervous. I'm like, I gotta fucking, I can't not do it. Yeah. And I think my husband, uh, I'm still married, but we're separated. He went uh-huh. with me, which was nice. Yeah. Um, and I was nervous, obviously, and heart racing. But I, you know, I, I was really glad to get it out of the way because, you know, it was, it was around the time of my dad's birthday. And there's something about, you know, my birthday or family member's birthday it just gets you thinking about mortality. It's a motivator, sure. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what do you like about stand-up? Well, there's nothing quite like just having an idea and totally 
without any other validation other than your own writing process and your own craziness to test it in front of people. Um, yeah. No more instant gratification. So I really enjoy that. Yeah. Have you ever wanted to quit? Mm, not really. I mean, I, I'm kind of uh, maybe pig-headed or bull-headed, whatever the fuck the expression is. <laughs> sure. like once I, it's something I love so much, and I, I, I don't care about one bad experience, really. I mean, it'll yeah. be discouraging, but I'll keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's, what's one night that you feel like you keep chasing? Or that, you know, uh, keeps you going, right? Like, yeah. what, is, what is one moment of the many that you've had? Yeah, so many great ones. Yeah. Uh, well, I've just this year, I had always wanted to perform at the comedy store since I've been in LA three years. Yeah. And, uh, it's a glorified bringer, but it's in the, it's in the original room. Oh um, yeah. That's great. Deep nuts shows. I've done a couple of those this year uh-huh. and those have been very gratifying because, uh, just that stage, there's this, there's a feeling to it. There's, um, an electricity to the room. And I, I know I wasn't like the best of the night or anything, but I got mm-hmm. enough laughs that, you know, it really just gives you a surge of energy. So I'm definitely chasing that. Yeah, that's great. So how did the light situation work in the OR at the comedy store? Because I've been there for potluck and it always yeah. seems a little bit awkward. If I imagine being up, I've never gotten picked to do their open mic. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because their light is off to the side of the stage. Right. That so maybe start. for the viewers and, and listeners, explain a little bit the OR layout and how yeah. you dealt with that light. So the original room at the Comedy Store is about 170, 180 seats, I think. It's a pretty much a rectangle. And uh, on the left-hand side of the stage, as the performer, you see... Uh, among the many neon signs of the famous people who perform there, this little star and they light you. I don't know. I always try to keep track of the room. I'm not one of these, you know, really heady comics, like, you know, one liner guys. Some of them just stare straight ahead and they never like alter their position. Right. I'm also not one of these Sebastian Maniscalco pacing the stage, you know, so <laughs> yeah. I'm somewhat in between. I try to be aware. Uh, I use my hands a lot and uh, I end up seeing it and I haven't, you know, run the light too bad or anything. So I think it's, it's worked out. By the way, have you yeah. done any of the uh, like bringer shows at the store? Have you done any of the D's Nuts? Yeah, I did not do the D's Nuts shows. Uh, I did I did the uh, shows, I'm trying to remember who put them on. It's been a while since I've done them. Um, mm-hmm. Why can't I think of her name right now? It's going to bother me. But she did a Saturday, Friday night, Saturday night shows in the belly room. Okay. Uh, nice bitch is the title of the show Absolutely. so there's no other way to say it other than the title um yeah. why can't i think of who puts those on it's gonna bother me yeah i'm gonna have to see if i can find her in my we could describe room. her but i don't want to insult anybody yeah i mean she's a she just barely got a job with jfl um for cool. their you know most recent cycle the last year i think 2019 um yeah, she's great. Very nice. I've never had an issue with her. Uh, why can't I think of her name? Fun show? Yeah. Yeah, they were fun shows. Uh, and I did them for almost a year. It was about a year that I did them once a month. Um, cool. And it's, I mean, bringer shows are tough, though. And I've heard, and maybe you can give me your thoughts on this, I've heard that doing the bringer shows too often can be detrimental if others see you at the comedy store who are in charge of, you know, booking or, you know, referring you to the booker 
right because they'll see you as a bringer not as a you know genuine stand-up yeah have you heard the same thing i kind of have sensed that i've never heard it expressed in that way but um i don't know i hope that vargas seems to be getting a better reputation with them he's bringing a lot of money Mm. his shows have been uh, he does the d's nuts shows they've been sold out they were for almost this uh I think this entire year, all the shows. Yeah. And so, and also his are like kind of a hybrid bringer. Cause he tells new people, you got to bring 10 people, but then if yeah. you've done it before, even if you didn't have 10 and he likes you and you did well, he might invite you back. So see, um, and that's, that's, that's proper. I think that's yeah. the way it should work. You yeah. know, he's a nice guy. He's a stand-up guy. Yeah. <laughs> no pun intended. Part of the money. That's right. Sweet. Yeah. So I'm glad, I'm glad Vargas has been treating you well. So you feel yeah. like you don't have to bring as many people now as you did when you first started with him. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. All the comedy store shows seem to sell out anyway. So and yeah. that was my, you know, sort of hiccup with it. It was like you're selling out anyway. I mean, there were a couple of shows I did where they sold out before I even got the link. Jeez. And then I was still told, you know, well, if you don't bring 10 people, you're not doing time. It's like, well, there are no tickets left. Like, what does it matter to you? (laughs) If if I bring 10 or if, you know, 10 just wander off the street, like just put them in my name. I don't know. Anyhow. So yeah, the bringer shows are, it's an awkward, I think perhaps even archaic necessity. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe, maybe that'll change after COVID, Corona, COVID-19. Yeah. I don't don't even know. It, It, In some ways, I feel like, you know, this could all cause people to drop out because obviously the financial instability, uh, people who are barely scraping by now won't be able to make it. And at the same time, somewhat, I think that might be balanced out by like a carpe diem sense. People are like, well, I've always wanted to do it. So if not now, when? Yeah, Uh, hopefully... Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe on the net, it won't change at all how many yeah. of us are out there, but there might be some new faces and some faces that we never see again for better mm-hmm. or for worse. Yeah. We'll have to see what the damage is like after the stay at home stuff. Uh, now, you and I are, I think, pretty good friends. And I know a little bit of your story about your husband uh, or ex. Which do you prefer to refer to him as? Uh, my husband uh, that I'm separated from. Yeah, the husband that you're separated from. Do you yeah. do you want to explain this story? Do you want to get into this? Because you dropped sure. two sort of huge bombs, right? One yeah, yeah. is that you were oh, raised yeah. religious, came out as homosexual, mm-hmm. and the other is that you're married but not married. Yeah. By the way, can I say I think homosexual is like the worst slur you can say nowadays for gays. Is that I think right? Like faggot, queer. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> homosexual just sounds so like. Is it too it, clinical? It's not even clinical. It's like old Bible. Not wow. with, this is love and forgiveness. All right. right. Sorry. So, so, so it's you, like you, hell and, and brimstone is what it is. Yeah. So you came out as a sodomite. Uh, yeah. Is that better? <laughs> I was actually called that on stage at Echoes on Pico. No kidding. This woman who was running the show. It was like five people there this was maybe a year ago yeah and she, and i was like yeah i'm gay and she's like you're a satellite <laughs> never been called that but thank you for saying it while i'm on stage wow. already not getting a reaction from the audience yeah so was it a heckle or was it like a friendly jab you know i i don't think i'll ever know but i have never <laughs> seen the woman again she may have been an angel 
I think she was my guardian angel. <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe I, I needed so. that to grow is what happened. Of course you did. I did. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I'm going to have to write down to refer to all gay people as sodomites. <laughs> Only the males, so though. Do right? a, Only the yeah, males. Do them a favor. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. So, yeah, which I, I, I want to move into your religious sure. upbringing and coming out as gay. Uh, but yeah, let's talk, let's talk maybe a little bit about your husband that sure. you're separated from. Well, Tammy, great... Tammy Jo Deeren. That's her name. Very good. I finally found it. Tammy. Excellent. Yeah. He's, he's a great guy as well. My uh, husband from whom I am separated. Yeah. And he, um, I met him in DC. We were both living in DC at the time. And you uh, were what? Sorry, 22? I don't understand. 23. What? Google. And, 23. And, yep. We basically... Um, I had come out only like six months before I had dated maybe half a dozen guys. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was interesting to to meet new people and actually be dating people. I, I felt, a you know, some interest in. Yeah. Um, so there, so when you dated women, yeah. no physical attraction at all. Almost none. Interesting. Basically, yeah. basically a couch cushion would have been. No joke. Thing. You know, like if it's pressed up against you. <laughs> You're going to feel something. A heated regardless. couch cushion. A heated couch cushion, at least. Yeah, exactly. At least give them that. Give. Unbelievable. Um, Interesting. So, okay. So we met there the summer of uh, 20, what would have been 15, 14. Uh-huh. 15. And anyway, uh, nobody gives a shit about the year. I love when people like, <laughs> fixate no. on it. You need to well, get you know, it. I was fixated on the day. name. You're fixated on the year. It's and fine. we ended up... Uh, like falling madly in love with each other right away. Yeah. And so we, we write these long, crazy emails about, you know, like being soulmates and stuff. Very yeah. early on. And I, I'm a very jaded and I think uh, relatively, I think I have some perspective when it comes to relationships because my parents are both, um, they've, they've had marriages before. My mom divorced once, my dad divorced twice. Oh, wow. I, yeah. yeah. And, uh, my parents were, my dad especially, relatively older when they had me. So I always thought, you know, wait a long time before you get married. Sure. So we, we were falling deeply in love with each other right away. He lived, moved in with me basically after a few months. And within uh, just a little over a year after we met, we had decided to get married and we got married. So yeah, we got, went to the courthouse in D.C., we flew to Bermuda for a nice little honeymoon, mm. and, which is actually very convenient, by the way. If you're ever in D.C., <laughs> yeah, pop I mean, over to Bermuda. It's not that far. Yeah, anywhere out of Dulles is not too bad, right? Yeah. And or it's the Reagan. It's the Reagan Airport in D.C. Both, both work. Yeah, yeah, both work. You see, BWI as well. Let's right. get into the Let's regional get... <laughs> airports of the mid-Atlantic. I think that's what the listeners want to hear. Let's do. Oh, my gosh. All so, right, so you're in Bermuda? Yeah, we, we did it yeah quick uh vacation there yeah and um yeah we we were very happy together we moved to D uh, la we started to grow apart and we separated about a year ago so yeah wow and, and yeah holy smokes so he he is from the u.s he's from ukraine ukraine yeah so do you feel like there was, I mean, was he a citizen? Was he naturalized? He was in the country on a work visa. Uh-huh. And um, he's, you know, still great and doing great work and all that. And he could have probably gotten, you know, an extended work visa. 
Yeah. But there's a lottery system, as you probably know, yeah. and they're very expensive, obviously unpredictable, yep. expensive and unpredictable. It's, it's not cheap as well to right. the marriage thing, but especially if it's a crapshoot, whether or not you're going right. to. So we decided the safest thing to be together was to get married. And so yeah. we did. And I still love him very much. And if you're listening, U.S. government, I will go to bat for him. It was a bona fide <laughs> marriage. You can go fuck yourselves, you fucking dirty cocksucking feds, okay? And I use cocksucking not in the literal sense, but in right. the pejorative, right. you're a piece of shit sense. Right, so, not in the peaceful sodomite sense. Just, and by the way, yeah. speaking of piece of shit, never eaten ass, never will, <laughs> disgusting, okay? By the way, that's where uh, the next coronavirus is coming from. I Mark my words, yeah. somebody in Silver Lake right now who's <laughs> eating kimchi and kombucha, which are good foods, mind you, but not sure. coming out the other end. All that crazy microbiome diversity, that's going to be the next wow. you know, wet market in China. That's yeah. the next. Not, not, not so, bats, but butts. That's, what, that's Nick's prediction. There you go. That's the tagline. <laughs> I need that. Thank you. Oh my gosh. So you don't feel used at all for a green card or for not at all. Yeah. I, I know his family. He knows my family. We're, you know, it's bona fide. Yeah. Yeah. As, yeah. As can be. Like it's one of those things, you know, in your heart as much as anything. Yeah. So uh, what, what for you was it that drove you two apart? Um, well, I think our communication began uh, to just not be as, synchronized and just a number of things yeah you know it just it little day-to-day things and uh, that's all i'll say about it i don't know i yeah, don't want to people i'd rather well, talk feel- about bwi airport <laughs> <laughs> and we can move there we can by the way you can take the train there very easily from dc so that's which line is it budget. that you need though you just take uh you can take the amtrak it, it's just like two stops. oh okay i thought at first you meant subway but you're talking about above ground train. Well, right? you can you go to Union Station in DC. Yeah. Take the subway there and then take the Amtrak. Yeah. Up. Yeah. It's a beautiful <laughs> station, Union Station. Yeah. Really. Now we're talking. This is good. Now we're talking. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my word. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, because 20, 23 is young. I was, I mean, I got married at uh, 23. Um, I was technically 24 when we were married. We were both 24, but oh, yeah, we met, met at 23. Matt went 23. Yeah. Exactly. It. Still young, still it young, is. Right? Yeah, the, the the year doesn't make a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you uh, and your wife meet? Uh, so I had reached a point. I I was dating a woman that I thought I was going to marry, and she met my family, and it went terribly. So really? yeah. yeah. How long have you you two been dating? She and I had been well. She and I had known each other for a long time, uh, and by long time I mean six seven months. Hmm. Uh, before we even thought about dating each other. Then we started dating and we dated for, oh, I don't remember now, probably another eight, nine, 10 months, almost a year. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, Mormon Mormon dating is a little bit uh, different than dating in what I gather the real world, you know, the, the common masses, there's a lot of group dating that goes on in the Mormon culture. Hmm. So, you know, we were hanging out a lot, but we didn't really start, you know, pairing off or going on just me and her dates for quite a while. Hmm. Yeah. 
Interesting. How, how many people are in these group situations? This is the first time hearing of this. Oh yeah. It just depends. You know, it just depends. And uh, it depends sort of on the dynamic of the group and then the guy girl relationship. So sometimes it transitions very quickly to, you know, just this, if not just the pair, then maybe three or four other, you know, maybe two or three other couples. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So it just depends. We had, uh, I was living on BYU campus, uh, when she and I met and, uh, in a, in a pretty big group of friends, it was sort of her apartment and a friend's apartment. And then this group of, of my friends, our apartment that started all hanging out together. Cool. But anyway, so that had gone South. I had, uh, Basically, you know, that was a tough one for me to let go of and had sort of reached this point where I was like, ah, I'm not going to go out and pursue a relationship. Mm -hmm. And that was after she had met your family. That's when it went south. Right. Right. So she and I broke up a couple weeks after she met my family officially. Um, And then, uh, yeah, few, few, I think maybe a month, month and a half, two months after that. Uh, I was on campus, ran into an old friend of mine who, you know, uh, said that he, he knew of someone that he wanted to set me up with and if, if I was available. And I said, yeah, sure. So I went out on this uh, blind date, what I thought was a blind date. And uh, she and I hit it off great. And, you know, we, we ended up getting married a little less than a year after that. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Come to find out she had asked him to set us up uh, because she'd seen me at some other activity on campus. And uh, when he said that he was my friend and could make it happen, you know, he ended up making it happen. So, yeah. So that's how, that's how my wife and I met. Uh, She, she dragged me out of the embers of my past life and uh, brought me to the point I am now. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you this because, For me, and I talked to a shrink about this because I was like, you know, before we got married, I'm like, am I rushing into this? I wanted to get perspective. Obviously, my family, I asked and friends. Yeah. And I figured we had probably condensed the amount of time because we were living together within a few months. Probably sure. condensed the amount of time that your average couple takes several years to get even. Yeah. Um, how much time were you and your wife spending together before you guys got married? Oh, how now you're mean? back. You're okay. back damn i haven't had uh, any issues. we've had some technical difficulties on my end spectrum sucks balls that's all it i'm really gonna say I, I was on the phone with an hour uh with them last week such a pain it's uh and they know they have you you know anyway it's terrible oh no you're frozen are you still there i'm here oh good for a second too but i can hear you okay uh yeah, heavily discouraged, if not absolutely outright forbidden for a man and woman to live together and not be married. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I can understand that, I should say. Yeah. So uh, my wife and I, obviously, we're not living together, um, mm-hmm. but we spent quite a bit of time together. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think, yeah, you know, you're as a Latter-day Saint, we are very heavily encouraged to remain uh celibate you know chased before marriage so uh my wife and i were virgins when we got married and i'm sure some of the biological need drove us to get married sooner than maybe we otherwise would have Mm -hmm. 
but I think that's also counteracted with our focus on uh, our religion and placing faith in God and in sort of following our gut, um, feeling like we're making a good choice. Mm -hmm. So in Mormon culture, it's pretty heavily uh, suggested that you pray, meditate, whatever term you want to use. Uh, we, we call it prayer, pray to God and ask, you know, figure out if this is, uh, if he has, you know, if you have God's blessing, essentially, it's not supposed to be a situation where you place it on God. Oh, okay. there you are. There you are. I can hear you again. Uh, so I was saying in Mormon culture, it is not, it is not a thing. So I said, I prayed about my decision. Yeah. I just want to be clear that it, in Mormon culture, you're not, you're not supposed to put sort of decisions that you make on God. Okay. Right. So it wasn't that I prayed, you know, God, should I marry this woman? It was, I am going to marry her uh, and waiting to see if you, you know, feel right about it. Um, and just, you know, sort of this, like, I, I ask you for your blessing kind of approach, right? Yeah. I've decided to do this. Is there something I'm missing or I should be aware of that I have not thought about? Mm -hmm. uh, so... Anyhow, I, I, I think our f time, you know, I don't know. It is an interesting uh, dynamic in the Mormon culture. You don't yeah. spend, you know, every waking hour with the person you're going to marry. You certainly don't have sex with them before marriage. Mm -hmm. So you don't know how all that's going to work out. But I think in the grand scheme of things, uh, you know, she and I dated and once we felt like we were going to be married, you start dating with a different purpose. The conversations also change mm -hmm. to where you figure out, can I actually talk with this person? Do we connect on a more intellectual and emotional level rather than just, you know, pop culture or basic interests? Yeah. Uh, and honestly, sex, I think is one of those things where any, anyone else could satisfy that need right? Like it's just basically physical. Yeah. Um, right. Right. So uh, yeah. So we didn't, we didn't spend every moment together, but I, I think our focus was proper. It's worked out so far. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I want to go back to what you said for a second about uh, meditation slash prayer, because yeah. you, you really uh, almost equivocated those. How long is prayer for you? And uh, what like, have you ever done any meditations like TM or whatever, any long form 20 minute plus just, you know, secular meditations? Yeah. Uh, not by choice. Have I done the, the guided meditation or the TM stuff? Yeah. Um, so I'll answer your first question. Then I'll get back to, to yeah. how I've done the guided meditation, which is a sure. ridiculous story. Okay, good. Uh, prayer, I think is, it's very personal and very different in length. It's, it depends on, you know, what you're praying about. So we'll pray before we eat. Mm -hmm. And sometimes usually those prayers are pretty short. Mm -hmm. um, there have been times in my life when I have prayed about certain things uh, or been in a state of mind, you know, where I was either depressed or just down um, where I pray for longer. Yeah. Um, and you remember your longest prayer sesh, like we're going crazy, like sweating and everything. Just like, is, is I there mean, any, is yeah. there a posture you have to assume as well? 
I mean, it's suggested that you kneel. If you sort of kneeling is like, is the more reverent form, but no, no, there is no required stance, position, choreography. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, No, I think, I think my longer prayers were in my teenage years uh, where, you know, I was really just struggling with either friend relationships or personal decisions, choices that I was making. And there's Mm -hmm. not, you know, when you're exploring life, trying to figure out how you can be happy and if religion is really necessary. Mm -hmm. um, I dealt with a lot of that as a teenager, I feel like. There are certainly questions I still have. uh, But yeah, so so I I don't know. Does that answer your question? Uh, Just give me an average ballpark. What what kind of prayer time are we talking? For longer prayers? Yeah, let's say maybe like a half hour. Wow, maybe forty-five minutes. Maybe yeah, would, would you do that on a monthly basis, on a weekly basis? We are. Uh, I mean, it's recommended that you pray every morning, every night, and then at meal times. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I was better at that when I didn't have kids. <laughs> I was better about regularly praying. Now yeah. with kids, it's gotten a little bit more difficult. We try to have, we definitely have family prayers, you know, at dinner time, uh, mm-hmm. bef- you know, for the food and stuff, but we should do better about family prayers at night and in morning at the morning. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, most of them are pretty short, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe a minute, two minutes. Uh, that's, that's a pretty long blessing on the food. Yeah. You know, most, most of our prayers, cause our kids are also saying them sometimes, uh, maybe five, 10 seconds, pretty mm-hmm. quick, pretty quick stuff. Yeah. The only time I've done meditation is, uh, when I was in law school, uh, there, they, they started at UNC, which is where I went to law school, Chapel Hill. Nice. They started a, a legal writing course and there was this snafu with our professor who, uh, great we were told at the beginning of the course that there was no curve Hmm. and for most of law students they are coming from the humanities where where there is no curve Mm -hmm. so when you go to law school and you find out oh all of these classes are graded on a curve it makes you nervous because you know the average among a lot of smart people now is the c so now you're really worried about your gpa and how you're going to perform this legal writing course we were told was not going to be based on a curve and, Hmm. you know, graded on a curve. So we were all thrilled. Right. And as the semester progressed and, you know, we started talking amongst ourselves about grades that we were receiving on assignments, we figured out, Oh, there's not a curve, but they are looking for a B plus average. Got it. Which in my mind is pretty similar to a curve. Yeah. It's a form of a curve. So uh, there was a bit of a snafu with our professor because we brought this up to him in class and Mm -hmm. the next class session, he was kind of a hippy dippy guy Mm -hmm. and he thought it would help us all if he guided us through meditation or if he, if he, if he presented sort of a guided meditation to us, he started playing a tape 
I mean, in class at law school, shut off all the lights, played a tape, and it was his voice guiding us through the meditation, oh Nick. And does this guy have a ponytail and facial hair and he's balding and he's got like flannel? What does he look like? No, he looks like, he looks like, who is, ah, now I'm, I'm so bad with names. Crispin, Crispin Glover, I think is his name. Okay, I don't know who that is. Okay, so the guy, the guy from, the guy who I'm thinking of, this might not be the name Crispin Glover, but the guy I'm thinking of is from Back to the Future. It is Michael J. Fox's dad in Back to the Future. Okay, it's been a while since I watched it. Anyway, he's a hippy-dippy guy. That's the guy he looks like. He parted his hair down the middle. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's a nice guy, but like, to me, it was so crazy that, yeah, he parted his hair down the middle. I'm sure he was a nice guy, but it was incredible to me that he would be physically present in the class Mm -hmm. and yet still play a tape for (laughs) us. That was his voice. Right. Why not just read off the paper? You know? Yeah. It's like Cuomo. Chris Cuomo can't speak about his own coronavirus experience. He's got to read a prepared statement. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Now, is he the mayor with the pierced nipples? Is that the one? That's his brother. That's That's the older (laughs) troglodyte looking Andrew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One on CNN. Right. Oh, right, right. The news guy. Corona News Network. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other one is the mayor of New York, right? The governor. The governor. The mayor. Yeah, mayor. Governor of New York. Boston. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. So, you didn't gain much from that experience, I take it, the meditation. No. No, I did not. <laughs> I have not been, I mean, as shocking as it might be, because as a Mormon, I believe in some very uh, crazy sounding things. The meditation, I think, absolutely has its benefits. Mm-hmm. but as far as like holistic healers and I, I struggle buying into that as shocking oh, totally. as that might believe that might be. Well, I think when you're doing a 30, 40 minute prayer, you're getting your brain into a meditative state, right? Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. So I think you're getting the same benefits. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they suggest, you know, a 40 minute meditation every day, which I'm not doing. I'm not doing 40 minute prayers every day. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's nice to calm down, take a moment and yeah. kind of, you know, clear your head of what you're immediately worried about and get some perspective. Uh, I do meditation, things. but yeah. I, I actually, I, I took a TM course a couple of years ago. And so transcendental and, meditation for right. the listeners out there, the folks yeah. at home in the Midwest. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been good, but it's funny, like, I was doing it very consistently for about a year and I've been less consistent recently, especially during this pandemic. Mm. And I kind of treat it like uh, if I don't do it in the evening, which is when I have time for it lately, it's like a treat, you know, like yeah. I don't want to do it, even <laughs> though it's, it's like the best thing for me. Yeah. 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 Well, it's like exercise. Yeah. You know, uh, I feel great afterward, but the process is just, it can feel it, tedious. Yeah. It's the worst part. Getting started is the worst part. Once you're in it, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, uh, how religious were you raised? I was raised pretty religious for Minnesota standards. Okay. Minnesota is not the most zealous state. Uh-huh. It's not part of the Bible belt. It's no, um, but it's a kind Midwestern state, right? It's a kind Midwestern state, a democratic yeah. state for the most part. Although yeah, a bless your heart state too close recently. And, uh, <laughs> You know, we actually, Minnesota religious people, a lot of Lutherans. 
Okay. And Lutherans are pretty relatively reformed, you know, a liberal part of Christianity where we have women pastors mm-hmm. and uh, in some churches they welcome gays, you know, they have gay weddings, stuff like that. Yeah. So I, I was glad to at least grow up with that much, although I never saw any gays that I knew of in church. We were part of a pretty big church. Yeah. And I was only, we were only really religious. I think we started going to church when I was about eight, maybe okay. nine. It was like right after 9-11, which wow. I feel kind of basic, you know, like a basic. <laughs> like, was it because of 9-11? I got it. You know what? I'm only, I've only pieced this together in the last couple of days watching uh, The Sopranos with my dad. Yeah. And uh, we're watching season four. And that was right after 9-11. And you realize uh, how much, you know, that obviously impacted the culture. Yeah. I got to ask them because I never put the two together. But it probably was causal that we started Interesting. Yeah. yeah. At least correlated. Yeah. It just so happened to be. And yeah. so I got, I was, I got baptized when I, around that time in that uh, faith. As a Lutheran. As a Lutheran. Uh-huh. And, and so how do they baptize as, as Lutherans? There's a, a nice natural beeswax candle. I remember that. They lit it and they got the cross and they got some people there and they get the water and they do the thing in the head. They don't oh, okay. dunk you. You're not in a river or a lake, one of the yeah. many beautiful lakes. To me, yeah. it seems like an underutilization of the lakes. If you got them, it seems like a smite on God. You know? Yeah, right. We're not going to use your beautiful creation. Like yeah. Yeah. So, Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And, and it was a fine thing. I don't know. I didn't like going to church as most well, people. What but nine, I, ten year old does. Exactly. It was, it felt difficult. But how um, long was church service? About an hour, yeah. Oh, okay. Pretty standard. How, what is it in Latter-day Saints? Used to be three hours long, and now it's two. But the time that we spend is is divided. Okay. So what I imagine for your service, so correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong, is an hour sort of communion meeting or what we would call a sacrament meeting where you're taking the, the bread and for us water i would imagine is it wine for lutherans yeah that was every other week and it's interesting my dad he wasn't an alcoholic but he hasn't had a drink since the early 80s so he would actually do um grape juice oh sure would do the wine which i felt pretty cool as a kid you know yeah a little, yeah getting a little, that er- little wine <laughs> that we early taste yeah Here, here's another example of minnesota being good about germs rather than all these you know people with the the goblet you know yeah you, no goblets. We had these individual little plastic cups. Yeah. But you know what? I don't know. It's not that much plastic at the end of the day. So. No. And, and we would do the same with plastic and then you oh, just recycle right? it. Yeah. 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 We had little we trays. We would use water. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Straight. He, after all, he turned water in water. Exactly. Exactly. But we don't believe in any transubstantiation you know, transformations or anything yeah. like that. Well, maybe I'll say this for the end of the program, but that is a perfect segue. I wanted to ask about, uh, yeah. do you believe in the divinity of uh, Jesus? Absolutely. So. But when you say it, what do you mean? Well, that there's a, you know, Christianity, my understanding. Are we waiting for the satellite? I think it's back? the demons to get out of the <laughs> internet connection. I feel like it. I feel like a satellite is. We're waiting for the satellite to complete its rotation, or something. Yeah, you're right. That's probably what's happening. There's it's some very weird blind spot that's happening. Yeah. All right. So, uh, divinity of Christ. Yeah. So, yeah. So, when you say that, what do you mean? Well, there's the you know the Holy Trinity, obviously the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so Jesus being 
here as a corporeal whatever person, as yeah. a physical manifestation of God, yeah. was able to do miracles, you know? Yeah. So we have a similar, but I think important, different understanding of Christ and okay. God. So for us, Heavenly Father, God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit are three separate personages, three separate individuals. Okay. Uh, we believe that Christ is the only begotten of God. Um, and that he, because of that, he was able to perform the miracles that he was able to perform, which includes the atonement uh, and the resurrection, right? Mm -hmm. So the atonement culminated in his resurrection. Yeah. Yeah. So we do believe in Christ as our savior. Yeah, that that yeah. much I knew. I thought there may have been some distinction. That sounds like, there is some slight distinction, but it yeah. probably could take a long time to get down to the nitty and nitty gritty of that. Right, right. But that's the basic, the basic. I think big difference uh, between us and those of the Lutheran or even Catholic faiths. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So, how old were you before you started to question, or do you still identify as Lutheran? Um, I don't know. I would say that I, I kind of got out of religion in late college. I was part of an on-campus. I went to American University in DC, which is a secular school. Yeah. And it was nice. I went to a secular high school and everything, secular school throughout. But, um, you know, to, to be part of an on-campus thing that was sort of of my own choosing was nice. It was a I guess technically a Methodist, some of it. And then I did another thing, which was more of a, just like a random evangelical group. Hmm. Good people doing good works, you know, Habitat for Humanity, yeah. helping feed the homeless. Um, what else did we do? There's this thing where we raised awareness and money for uh, people who are victims of sex trafficking around the world. Yeah. And by the way, they were ahead of the curve on that. Like I hadn't heard of it until then. And now the Epstein stuff comes out. So yeah. They, uh, you know, yeah. good for them. Now, I, I, I don't want to be on record saying these following words, but <laughs> in, in Epstein's defense, I think sex trafficking had been around a lot longer than oh, sure. just Mr. Jeffrey. But I think point we well taken. The of the deprivation when Bill Gates, at the time, <laughs> the richest man in the world. Now, listen. I don't understand what's going on with everybody's interpretation of Bill Gates, okay? A yeah. lot of words are being said. They say he created the pandemic. Right. I think that's a little bit harsh. I but think I that's, think yeah. yeah. It's indisputable what the New York Times reported over the summer, which is he went to Epstein's New York townhouse on yeah. multiple occasions late into the night. Sure. And he commented to his staff about a mother and his, uh, the, the mother's beautiful daughter. Now, why, she was like a 13-year-old. Why he would need to say that is beyond me and why he would, the richest man in the world, seek money from a guy who they don't even think was a billionaire. It's a little more than fishy, okay? Yeah, it's interesting. But I will say this, in Bill Gates' defense, uh, you have to say mother and beautiful daughter. It's a phrase. It's a colloquialism, if you will. I don't know. I, it, there's so much we're not seeing. I think that's a limited hangout. Are you familiar with that term, Seth? A limited hangout? Yeah. That is no. a phrase, I believe, that Nixon coined himself or one of his staffers regarding uh -huh. the Watergate scandal. Yeah. So, obviously, uh, the Democrats were raided 
and uh, that story was going to break. And so basically the Nixon team wanted to decide what can we reveal to the public that will ask, let them have a story and stop asking questions and that right. will implicate us. So that's what I see with the Bill Gates thing. Like if that's what we're hearing, I think it could be a lot worse what actually happened. Ah, I see. I see. Interesting. Yeah. And the Clintons. I mean, the Bill went to the island a bunch, all these people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So which one do you think would be worse for Bill Gates? If it were true that the he... Pandemic? Yeah, the pandemic or participating in, you know, the deep bowels of Jeffrey Epstein's business. You know, they're both pretty bad. I think uh, Republicans <laughs> would probably have a worse time with the uh, pedophile island thing because there's okay. there's like this protective nature Republicans have toward children, yeah. which Democrats have too. But I feel like Democrats look at the bigger Less numbers. so. Yeah. Maybe you're maybe you're more in the numbers. You, you're thinking about uh, what the abortion thing? Cause, yeah, yeah, cause, yeah. Okay. I think more Democrats care about old people than they do about babies. I think they care about humanity pretty <laughs> unilaterally. <laughs> maybe focusing maybe. on a fetus, which is just tissue at a certain point. Oh boy! Oh boy! This is fun. This is another podcast. This is another yeah. podcast to be had. I love it though. Uh, Man, so you think pandemic would be worse, really, for Bill? Uh, yeah, on on the whole, I think. Yeah, it would be I think it's just so much less likely. What well, what does he have to gain? He's rich enough; he doesn't need to get us hooked on some cure for yeah. a disease he created. That makes no well, sense. The theory that the crazies believe, and I don't believe it, but I I listen to it and I somewhat sure. entertain an idea. Is uh, you know the elites want to have fewer people on the world, on the yeah. planet, to have more resources for themselves and all that. Yeah. And, and we, we're not going to need as many people. And maybe this is a test run uh, when we have automation. Maybe that's... <laughs> maybe. Maybe. But I don't buy Man, it. Man, I, I, so uh, the last guest I had was Crystal Chats. Who oh, I haven't uh, heard that episode. Is that released? It has not come out yet. Okay. She gets into it a little bit. She, okay. she I think, wholeheartedly believes that he has absolutely... Uh, she she calls him the uh, the Antichrist wow. in our conversation. So it'll be a fun one for you to listen to when that one comes out in a couple of weeks. Yes, indeed. Uh, interesting. So, okay. So you were at American University, yeah. hanging with the Methodists, hanging with the Evangelicals. Oh, dang it. It did it again. All oh, right. You're back. We're back. So you're hanging at American University with the mm-hmm. Evangelicals, the yep. Methodists. Yep. Um that caused you to question was it being out of the house that you stopped going to church no so what led I you was, away i was with them and uh it was all nice and good and then i actually it was the business folks in fact i, I decided to join a business fraternity oh. which called a fraternity but it also had women in it and uh, no weird stuff in the initiation no uh yeah no corona uh <laughs> new corona type thing like that's not when you found out that you were homosexual no, or that no, you were no. gay. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I knew that a long time before. Yeah. But I, I just, uh, so I didn't have time as much for the uh, religious stuff. And then I studied abroad in Hong Kong uh, the following semester. And I met some of the nicest people I've ever met. And they were not religious at all. And I was like, you yeah. know what? It, maybe you don't need religion to be a good person, which I had often used as an excuse, you might say, or as a framework for my good behavior. Was yeah. Religion. But um, yeah, that, so that was a number of years in the wilderness, so to speak, where I was just not doing religious stuff, not going to, I haven't been at church in a, a long time anyway, but uh, I, I just started reading the Bible again. 
hmm. few months ago. I've got a really good friend who uh, encouraged me to do so. And it's just, he's like one of these very non pushy Christians and a very good person. Yeah. So that's encouraging when somebody can just live it versus forcing it on you. Right. Right. Which is, I think the way it should be. Yeah. Right. Interesting. So uh, what version of the Bible are you reading? King James? Uh, I've switched between that and the, uh, what do they call it? The new English version or something. Some, let me look it up again right now. But how about you? What do you, it's the King James and then. King the, James, baby. King yeah. Jimmy all the way. And there's only one version, obviously, of the Book of Mormon, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's translated in different languages, but yes, only one, one version of it. Yeah. English standard version. I also yeah. check that out. Oh, that's the one you use. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Very fun. So sort of a natural falling away as you saw other people being good without your religious framework. Yeah. And, um, I just, I felt like I didn't need to do it. And that was, yeah. And yeah. my political views were starting to change. I grew up pretty Republican, although a Minnesota Republican is a pretty moderate Republican yeah. for the most part. Like, um, yeah, uh, my parents, my, especially my dad was considered himself a Republican and like a George Bush Republican where you're practical, kind of a engineer. My grandpa was an engineer. He had a pocket protector. You know, he uh, was a Republican, but he also believed in science and math and all these things. Yeah. And they would raise taxes if they needed to. That was not the end of the world to raise taxes. If sure. Was. So anyway, that's kind of the framework I had. I consider myself pretty moderate. Yeah. And I even thought, you know, we should probably have a third party or more parties. Hey. But then I realized, you know, I think the Democrats are pretty good. So yeah. I've been on the, I'm on the Democratic team for um, last five years or so. Yeah. Okay. Good deal. Sure. So do you still feel a connection with God or uh, what's, what's your current religious stance or spiritual yeah. stance if you don't want to go, you know, religious? No, a religious stance. I think... Um, Jesus is as good as we've gotten. Certainly. I think, I think Jesus is uh, the one I believe in and mm -hmm. you know, just the basic message is love as I'm sure many people would put it, but I think it, it's just, obviously it's a love that surpasses all understanding and um, you know, to turn the other cheek is obviously one metaphor, one analogy, uh, which I think a lot of religions and a lot of people, uh, Christians included don't practice. And so yeah. that's what I, I try to do. And I think it can be difficult because part of love can be, can be uh, you know, tough love and, and can be trying to help somebody to grow as a person. So, yeah. Anyway. Do you believe in an afterlife? Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what do you envision for the afterlife? Um, I don't know. I, I I really, it's one of these things where I don't exactly know if it's going to be the clouds and the Peter and the gate thing and all, but, uh, or what it's going to look like, but I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm very un inarticulate at the moment because it's it, religion is kind of like the market for me. It's kind of like the stock market. It's kind of like, uh, uh, I have another analogy I wanted to bring up. Let me look that up. Cause like I haven't, I can't, Oh, you can't know everything about it. You can't 
there's no uh, ability for people to know everything about it, right? You can't, mm. you weren't there with Joseph Smith. I wasn't there with Jesus. You have to right. have a certain level of faith. And so it's kind of the same with the stock market and the efficient markets hypothesis, which is to say that um, people price in stuff into the market and same with 9-11. I wasn't there. I, I can't see if, uh, you know, Tower 7 was neutroned or whatever. It was an inside job. Right. I, I can't know if there was <laughs> stuff there, but yeah. I have to trust that uh, I don't believe the 9-11 stuff too much because I don't give it time. But the point being... <laughs> There's certain but if things you really looked into it, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I got to take off my tracksuit. I'm sweating. The point is, I, I don't know what's uh, going to be the afterlife, but I, yeah. I have faith that uh, Jesus's message of love is the best one. And uh, if if you're if you believe in that, and if you're a good person, uh, I think I think good things will happen. Yeah. All right. Final question for you. And then uh, we'll get into what's the deal with Mormons. And you can okay. officially ask me some questions. Oh, that's exciting. Um, so, yeah. Final question is, uh, why or what do you find keeps you holding on to this idea of, of Jesus Christ? Why, why has that stuck with you? Well, I've taken, a, I took a world religions class in high school and I've met people of all major backgrounds um throughout my life i'm mm. lucky to know people of all backgrounds and um you know for one thing the the most popular one there's got to be something to that right it's again it's like <laughs> well, the market hypothesis. I mean, hold on what do you mean most popular one because there are more right there are more uh muslims hindus now there buddhists are. right aren't there more Christianity is the number one, baby. <laughs> I'm going to look this up right now. It's the number one religion. Islam is a pretty, uh, it's a growing second. Yeah. It's, it's still got many tens, if not hundreds of millions, fewer people. Buddhism By straight up population? But I mean, there are more, there have got to be more Chinese people that don't believe in any God at all than there well, are Well, there are Christians. Chinese Christians too. No, yeah, absolutely there are. There are like 2.5 billion Christians, something like that. There's a lot of Christians. But anyway, yeah. the point being... All right, I'm going to look it up. I, but yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. For the sake I do of think, I do think um, the message of love is particularly resonant, and, and it, it does differ from a lot of religions, yeah. which are more tit for tat, you know, an eye for an eye. And I, th I think it's better... Can't why, see won't, it. why won't this focus... Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Most what, anyway, what is it? Say? Popular religions. You're right. You're you were correct. Christianity 2.3 billion. Look at that. Pretty good. Islam 1.9. So, uh, I was what I was saying before we cut out is yeah. uh, I do think selflessness and love are just amazing things that can't be overemphasized enough. And you're going to get labeled as a, you know, it's corny or um, sure. obviously it's a very robust message that Christians have and a lot of religions have, which says that you're going to be mocked because like, I'll bring up Christian stuff and people will laugh. And, uh, I might have to do it jokingly because if I do it heavy handedly, people are just going to totally turn away. Right. But, but um, you know, I, I think sometimes the corniest stuff is the stuff that is corny because we hear it so often. And there, I do think there's something in the human brain where if you hear it, and it doesn't kill you, and it doesn't excite you, you're not necessarily going to pay attention to it, mm. but it, it's often what you need to hear the most. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting.
Well, I can get behind that. I mean, I'm a, uh, I'm a huge fan of Jesus, so I respect that deeply. Uh, all right. Excellent. Now it's your turn. What's the deal? What's the deal with Mormons? Oh, man. Well, okay. This is maybe less of a Mormon question specifically and more specific to you. But I want to know uh-huh. for you, what, Seth Lawrence, keeps you uh, deeply rooted in your faith? And I, I take it you grew up Mormon, but what, like, what type of exploration have you done? And how do you weigh Mormonism, uh, you know, versus any other form of Christianity? How do you know that it's true? How do you believe Joseph Smith? Yeah, I uh, had an experience. I mean, I, I purposely read through the Book of Mormon on my own uh, when I was around 12. And uh, it took me a few months, you know, to do it on my own every every day. And at the end of the reading experience, uh, I, I prayed and asked for a witness and I can't go back on that. I felt very strongly that the Book of Mormon is the Word of God, that mm-hmm. it it uh, teaches us how to be better people, that it teaches us more of the gospel of Jesus Christ um, than at least it fills in some of the holes I think are there in the Bible. Hmm. Um, Give an example. Yeah. Uh, well, so f- for... Mormonism, you know, we talked about the difference in um, sort of the Godhead, the Trinity, and a lot of that comes from not only Joseph Smith's personal experience of seeing a vision. So his his claim to fame is that he, uh, you know, he grew up in New York. He struggled with finding a religion that spoke to him spiritually, uh, ended up reading in the Bible where in James it says, you know, you can, if you lack wisdom, ask of God. So he uh, ended up praying and, and, found, and saw a vision. He saw Jesus Christ and Heavenly Father, and they were two separate individual personages, two people with physical bodies uh, that look like us. And they, you know, Jesus told him in this vision that there was no religion on the earth, that Joseph Smith would be given the ability to uh, restore Jesus Christ's gospel and church on the earth. And part of that was translating this new book of scripture, this book of Mormon. Um, So the book of Mormon also discusses, uh, I mean, I guess a more finite example is um, uh, what happens to children before they are, you know, of age religiously to be baptized. Um, I know that there are a lot of, like in the Catholic faith, babies are baptized. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what, a- I don't know what age Protestants are baptized, but in the Mormon faith, it's eight years old. Gotcha. And before baptism, if a child dies, we do not condemn them to hell. They are saved in the atonement of Jesus Christ. So we believe you cannot commit sin before the age of accountability, which we prescribe as eight. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's seven, you know, you're seven years old, 364 days. 
no yeah. culpability. And then the next day, boom, it just sets in like lightning. It, it weighs down. It weighs down on you. That's yeah. Right. And for, you know, for us, the sacrament, which we take every week, which is the communion, you know, the bread, the water for us is uh, a renewal of the covenants that we make at baptism. Hmm. So in a way we are sort of rebaptized every week. Um, so, you know, the idea is just try to be good, better and better each day. Uh, and if not every week, right. Improve yourself. You sort of get to reset every week. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if, uh, if you're more curious about maybe some of the other things, I don't know what, uh, other holes are necessarily left that, uh, I mean, I could, I could compile maybe a list and send it to you if you're really cool. curious, sure, why not? but yeah, I mean, you know, we also think that the priesthood was lost that, um, that our church is the only church that has the proper authority to act in the name of God. Um, yeah. So I don't know, but for me, the reason I haven't left my faith is, is my, my testimony, my experience with the book of Mormon primarily. Hmm. There have been multiple experiences after, you know, reading the book of Mormon um, that, that confirmed to me my faith, at least in the sense that I have a personal relationship with God and with Jesus Christ and um, that, that they love me and that they're mindful of, of me and my trials. Right. Yeah. Um, And successes, which I think is, is, which I find comforting. Mm -hmm. Um, I have not done much exploration, at least not, I've never really considered joining any other faith. I just don't feel, I mean, for me, if it were not, you know, the, the Latter-day Saint faith, then I would most likely just be agnostic. I wouldn't go to any church uh, because no other church offers us godhood and no other church offers us the ability to make planets, Nick, like that. You got you to go big, you know, go big or go home. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I did take a world religion course at, at Brigham Young University, which is a religious university, but it's, I think, only religious in the sense that it's run by the church. It's owned by the Latter-day Saint Faith Church, and there are certain religious requirements. That is, you have to take a course in the Book of Mormon every semester while you're there. You don't have to be a member of the church in order to attend the university. You don't have to attend church in order to be a, a student at the university. Um, but other than that, I was in secular school, just, just like you. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like oh, my studying of other world religions, I, I kept, I kept coming to them in the sense of, I believe all truth comes from God. Yeah. Good things come from God. And when I saw beautiful things, good things in other religions, I, I just felt like, yes, this is more testimony, more evidence to me that, that my religion is also correct. Yeah. Hey, I so, had a fun thought today on a walk yeah. with my dad here in Minnesota. And I was just thinking about, uh, you know, religion and uh, Christianity and you know how I'm, I imagine it's the same thing in Mormonism where, Jesus set us free from all these crazy old laws about pigs and fabrics sure. and all that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like uh, the reason for that, and obviously the, uh, you know, the, um, 
literalists or whatever you want to call them, the Pharisees were very much into following the laws and like, I'm better than you and all that stuff. But I think maybe part of that is if it's from your heart, it's more robust than like a bad set of rules that aren't good for every situation, right? Like sure. rules can't get you out of every situation. You have to trust your heart and most of life. I mean, yeah. you have to be moved by something other than, oh, it says in section four, you know, uh, letter A, whatever, that we right. should do this. Right. It, you got you to gotta have a more robust model that drives your behavior. So anyway, yeah. I was thinking about. Uh, yeah, I agree. And a, a lot of Jesus's life was breaking the rules of, yeah. of the Mosaic law at the very mm-hmm. least. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, and that's why I think for me, there is a, a, a distinction between the Latter-day Saint church yeah. and the gospel that I've, I've been taught. Yeah. In that church, you know, my, my church hasn't taken the friendliest stance on things and has made mistakes, I think in the past, Mm -hmm. but I don't think the gospel is imperfect because of that or not, or not true, right? Not real, not, not accurate. But interpretation can be difficult. Yeah. I'll just, I'll have one quick analogy, which is, you know, like these models about when we should open the country, close the country, all this stuff. Yeah. There's this very smart guy I keep talking about since the uh, coronavirus. If you yeah. can hear me. Yep. Uh, yeah, I can hear you. Nassim Nicholas Taleb, who wrote a book called The Black Swan. And yeah. then he talks about highly improbable events. And um, anyway, he has been saying, he, he predicted we'd have a terrible pandemic mm. in 2007. And he actually had the earliest, some of the earliest closure guidelines in January of this year for what we should have done, could have prevented huge widespread pandemic which we're facing yeah um and anyway the point being his he says a fit a flawed model if you follow it closely is worse than no model at all you know like mm. about spreading and about the, the who back in january said themselves on twitter uh there's no evidence of human to human contact well your model was wrong and yeah. so you should have taken a more precautionary principle you should have Anyway, the the point being, I feel like that's, you can kind of say that's a very practical secular thing, but I think it can be a religious context too, that if if you have this crazy set of laws, they're not always going to work. And if if you can't be sure of them, then just trust your heart and be more cautious. Right, right. And I think relating it back to the WHO, don't don't allow your church to be owned by the Chinese. (laughs) That's right. Right? The CCP is not for us. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Nick, this has been such a pleasure. And uh, we'll we'll figure out how to make this without all the technical difficulties. Did you have any final questions? And then plug whatever you want. Any big shows you got coming up? Yeah, baby. (laughs) In person, uh, Uh, on Zoom. This was really helpful. And I I will look forward to reading a small list you compile. Yeah. Well, okay. A quick question. You said you have a testament to your faith. And with the book, so was that like a, a thing you gave in front of the church, or is that like a running document? What does that look like? Oh, interesting. No, the word I used was testimony. Testimony. Which I use in the sense of a personal witness. In the Mormon faith, every first Sunday of the month typically is a fast and testimony meeting, okay. where it's like open mic night at the Mormon yeah. church. So everybody, whoever wants to, can get up, take a few moments to. 
we are encouraged to keep our comments brief and mm -hmm. focused on the Savior and our knowledge or, you know, our, our personal relationship, what we gained, what we learned, what we want to testify of. Gotcha. Right. Regarding Jesus Christ and his gospel. Sure. Uh but no, there's no formal document that I have written down. Um, I, I probably should do that just for posterity's sake, uh, but I haven't done that yet. And it certainly has not been a, a formal address <laughs> to, to my congregation. Fair enough. I have yeah. stuff like that that I've just started chatting, uh, jotting down where, like, this is a crazy thing. I was playing Jeopardy with Ryan yeah. a couple days ago, yeah. and I win all the time, which I think that... Shows but you the, also cheat, apparently. No, I don't. <laughs> I'm just so much better than him that he gets jealous. But the point is, they think yeah, I watch yeah. the episodes early. I don't watch them. Right. Uh, you know, well, they like, also blame the delay. Yeah, you know, right. The lag online, anyway. Yeah, there's never a delay, and then they blame it. And I right. say, you're welcome to host it, but they're too lazy. So <laughs> of course they are. I think, uh, you know, my, my always being right is part of God's divine plan. But also, yeah. crazy, just a couple days ago, the question in Final Jeopardy was, and I hadn't read the Bible in a couple nights because I was feeling lazy and I was listening to podcasts and stuff like, yeah. Um, uh, the question was about Luke chapter 10 and what was last chapter I had read Luke chapter nine. I was halfway through it. And then the question was Luke chapter 10. So if I had kept reading, you know, and <sighs> then I had, stuff, and I had, my dad had health issues recently and we were very blessed that they weren't much worse and it looked like it was going to be terrible. And anyway, mm. just like a lot of things to be very thankful for. So, yeah, yeah. And for me, the thing I keep coming back to, especially when I talk to people who don't believe in God at all, or who are questioning their belief in God, is the idea that I, I choose. And, you know, you ask me why, you know, I, I keep choosing to believe in God. Sure. I mm -hmm. think you could look at all of those things, or a lot of those things you mentioned, and say, oh, that's just coincidence. Right. Mere chance, circumstance. And yes, you can... I think choose to look at it that way, or you can choose to look at uh, what I find more comforting, right? You know, there are certain good things that I think God gives us little sort of nudges, right? right. Kind of winks like, no, nah, I, I, I got you. I got yeah. you. Look at, and by the way, look at all around you. It's fucking crazy. What we're looking yeah. at. It's like, I'm looking at all these plants I got in my uh, apartment here. I love them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's a verse in the Book of Mormon where a man is talking to a sort of anti, an anti-prophet, someone who's, you know, going around saying Jesus doesn't exist. And this prophet in the Book of Mormon basically says exactly what you did. I, I look around me and I say, how can there not be a God given all of these creations? You know, Big Bang may have been just his tool that he used scientifically to make everything. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Doesn't bother me one way or the other. Mm -hmm. So, all right. You got anything uh, coming up? You want to plug? Well, I will be on Ryan, the cable viewers, uh, Instagram live show in, uh, uh, yeah, this Friday. So, Oh, excellent. Well, this will be out long after. Oh, excellent. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'll probably fine. be that's doing good. another platinum package again soon. So look yes. Uh, good Ryan shows in perpetuity yeah 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 he's a he's a great great guy uh good old ryan well sweet nick this was such a pleasure thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and uh, i hope you have a good week you too thanks see ya